All right, I have to figure out how to use this mic. Um, it was mentioned up front, but for those who might have come in late, um, I'm not Pastor Jeff. I'm just Jeff. So I'm uh, Pastor Jeff is he is uh, at a wedding today, and um, I'm honored that he asked that I would uh, sub in and, and 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 bring the word this morning. Um, you know the as I was really asking the Lord where he wanted to go or what he what he was trying to convey this morning. Um, you know, it's I, I didn't have a, a, a key scripture or one specific thing that he was pointing at, but it seemed to be like a, a concept. And, and, and I'm hoping that it's this isn't a new concept to you. It may be a new concept to you, but but I, I think what the Lord is, is wanting us to do this morning is is just kind of step away from where we are right now and get a bigger picture for what's going on, okay? Just get, just step back and kind of, it's so easy for us to get in the everyday, you know, this is what's going on in my life and this is the issue that's going on. And, and sometimes we just need to back up a little bit and just look at the overall picture. And we're going to start off in Genesis, the very beginning, because the, the understanding that I feel like God really wants us to kind of wrestle with this morning is the dual state of man. And when I say the dual state of man, what I'm, what I'm talking about is the, the idea, the concept that man is a physical being, but at the same time, he's a spiritual being. It's, it's not one or the other. We're, we're both. You, you are a physical person, but you have a spirit. And one is not exclusive of the other. Things that are happening in the spirit affect the physical, and things in the physical affect the spirit. And we can look in, in the very beginning in Genesis, we see that man wrestled with this, this, this confusion or this, this understanding from the very beginning in the garden. It says now, this is Genesis 1.1, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the tree in the garden, but God did say we may not eat fruit from the tree that is the, in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat, it, eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw, what is saw? Is that, is that a spiritual thing or is that a physical thing? It's a, it's a physical thing. When she saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate. Now, and we know the story at that point that we, you know, that's the fall of man. Let me ask you a question. When she ate the apple, did she die? Spiritually, yes. Physically, no. See, from the very beginning, you know, and, and Satan, this is, the, this is the thing about Satan. Satan always brings half-truths. Half you know, he counterfeits everything. What's fortune-telling? It's a counterfeit of prophecy. Prophecy is a true, a true spiritual gift of God. But, but Satan will twist it just enough to, to counterfeit it. You don't ever see a counterfeit $3 bill. There is no such thing as a $3 bill. You'll find a counterfeit 5 10 those are all real denominations. Those are real, real tangible things. See, so, so Satan says from the very beginning, oh, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. 
Well, you know, physically she didn't die, but spiritually at that instant she was cut off from God. Spiritually she died. And so we have this dual, this dual thing going on here. Um, you know, we overlook the same thing today. You know, we, we do things in our physical lives. We, there's things that we, we do or say or, or perceive, and we don't really think about the underlying, what, you know, this, this, this spiritual ramifications, the, the spiritual consequences of the actions and the things that we're doing. Um, you know, we live in a physical world. You know, what if the five senses, we we're all taught this in school for early on, five senses, touch, hearing, smelling, tasting. Yeah, it's, every, it's, it's all of the things that come in contact with the physical world around us. You know, this chair, I can touch this chair. I can see the chair. I'm, I'm not going to smell the chair, but I, I could smell the chair if I wanted to. Definitely not going to taste the chair, okay? But, I mean, those are, those are all ways that we perceive what's going on around us in the physical world. And we, and we because there's, those are so real to us that, unfortunately, we let those take precedence in our lives a lot of times in situations. Um, you know, there's an unseen spiritual, you know, and the word that you use, you know, it, it's kind of, you know, you could call it a spiritual plane, spiritual realm, um, you know, a, a kingdom. God refers to, the, you know, the kingdom of God. And, um, you know, the, the reality is, and, and we talk about this all the time, um, you know, we are spiritual beings, and the reality is we can have no positive, there can be nothing positive for us in the, in the spiritual realm apart from Christ. Do you understand that, that, you know, Jeff talks about that all the time, that, that the fact that you do good, that you do physically good things, that's in the physical realm. That has nothing to do, I mean, it can infect the spiritual realm, but, but the, doing those good things does not make you alive again. There's only one way that you can be made alive in the spirit, and it, that is through Jesus Christ. And so that's the reason why it's so important that at some point that we come to that realization that you can't make it on your own. You and your physical being cannot make it on your own. You have to, ha- you have to be, Jesus called it, born again. What's being born again? This is what Ananias or uh, what the, the the priest was saying. You know, how can you be born again? He was thinking physical. He's thinking, how can I be born again? He wasn't understanding that, that Jesus was speaking of a spiritual thing that he had to be born again. And so, you know, we see different little glimpses of of this this idea throughout the Bible. Um, you know, and and I, I wish I could say I could I. You know, I completely understand everything that, that, you know, how all of this works and everything. I think that's part of the reason why we don't know is because we're not God. You know, we, we're, we're created beings. But we can look at Job in Job 6. And uh, Job 6 kind of gives us an interesting picture. It says, One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? 
You have blessed the work of his hands so that he has flocks and herds that spread out throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your hands. But on the man himself do not lay a finger. And Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. You know, I, I, my, the book of Job is such an interesting book to me. And I, I think the thing I take away from that book is, is the statement I just made. You know, I, I think the idea here is during the whole book, all these things happen to Job. All these physical things happen. But the whole thing was a spiritual issue from the very beginning. And it wasn't really with Job. It was between God and Satan. And when you go, you go through that whole book and all of these things that happened to Job, and Job never really, it never says that Job knew that that's what it was all about. You know, there's things that we go through in our lives, and, and they're physical things, but, but there's, there's spiritual things happening behind the scenes that we may have no idea. We have no clue what's going on. And would I like to know? Yes. Are we going to know? Well, the book of Job, Job didn't know. He didn't know what was going on. Let's look at Daniel. Uh, Daniel's an interesting, uh, we see kind of the same idea. Um, this is in uh, Daniel 10.1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel. Its message was true, and it, w- it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. And at that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat, or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of finest gold around his waist. His body was like chrysolite, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleaming of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The man with me did not, the men with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speak, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, Consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you, and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And then he said this to me, I, uh, and when he said this to me, I stood, and trim, tr- stood trembling. Uh, verse 12, this is an interesting verse. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. You know, again, we see there's something going on. Do we know what's going on? We don't really know. But we've got this little glimpse that there's something in the spiritual realm happening and Daniel's sitting here physically, there's something going on, he's, he's wrestling with this, and he's praying, he's, God, you know, what, what's going on, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm fasting, I'm doing all these physical things, 
And it's 24 days later before God responds. And we see that there's, there's a response. There's kind of a, well, I was you know, held up for 21 days. We don't really know what that means. But there's, again, we see that there's something spiritually going on behind the scenes. There's a, king, there's a, there's a fight going on. Um, Elijah in 2 Kings 6, 8 through 18 uh, a lot of, you probably know this story the, the king of Aram, Aram was at war with Israel and he was making battle plans and every time he would make battle plans um, Israel knew what was going on and so he got really upset and he, he's like you know who's, who's you know telling our secrets and they said well there's this guy named Elisha and he's a prophet and he keeps telling them what's going on it's like you know he's right there listening to you in your bedroom whenever you're talking and so he's, he decides well we need to go get this guy you know, so he sends out a troop, and um, and he says, "Go find out where he is." The king ordered, so we can send men to capture him, and report back. Okay, verse fifteen. When the servant of the man of God got up early and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Verse sixteen. Don't be afraid. The prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots, full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Elisha had said. And so, again, you know, Elisha, you know, I, wouldn't this be a cool, I mean, you know, Elisha actually gets a picture of what's going on in the spirit in this situation. You know, his servant's freaking out, but Elisha's, it's okay. You know, there's all these physical things going on around us, doesn't look very good, but he's, he's okay. And, you know, and, and he prays, you know, open my servant's eyes so you can see. And all of a sudden the servant looks and there's this other great multitude. But, but it was a spiritual thing. And so, again, we see that there's a spiritual uh, kingdom being played out. Paul uh, in, in Ephesus, or in Ephesus, in, in Ephesians 6.12, you know, we all know this from the, the armor of God, the, the passages on this, but it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Paul says in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10, 20, um, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have in part, uh, you cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy or are we stronger than he? You know, this is... Uh, this is all the idea that when we when we sacrifice to an idol, that there's actually a spiritual demonic thing behind that, and we go, oh yeah, but Jeff, I don't I don't sacrifice to you know an idol. Well, maybe maybe you don't have something crafted, but what about the idol of convenience, or the idol of money? or the idol of, of prestige, or, or there's so many things that we make idols in our lives, and we don't think about when we do that, when we set that up, what's the spiritual 
reality behind that? And what, what, what are we giving power to? I mean, what, what, are we, what are we allowing to operate in our lives? The Bible says, you know, that we should be allowing the Holy Spirit. We've been doing a whole series on the, on the, on the Spirit. That as Christians, we should, we should follow the Spirit and not the flesh, right? But what do we do when we have all these other things that we allow access into our lives? Um. Paul exhorts us to fix our eyes on what is, uh, to not fix our eyes on what is seen. This is 2 Corinthians 4.18. It says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so Paul is exhorting them, you know, look to the unseen. The phys- there's physical things. It's easy to look at the physical things. The physical things are always right there. And, you know, and I'm sharing this with you from really a lot of it's coming from my own experience. I mean, I'm not any different than anybody. So don't, don't feel like I'm trying to tell you something that, that I'm not, I don't wrestle with myself. It's so easy for us to get so caught up in the, in, in the, the day-to-day and the things that, that are going on. I, I, I'll share this with you from my own personal experience. I was on, on staff with a church. Uh, I was a youth pastor for over 10 years. And one of the things I've I, uh, I've been in the the I guess the private sector and in uh, with the the state for um, five or six years now, and one of the things that I've really wrestled with after um, being on staff with a church is is you know I always had time to study and get in the Word and and really because I had I had messages I had things that I had to bring to 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 I mean that was my job, and you know. Now that, that that's not what I'm doing, I really wrestle with the physical aspects that, you know, that, that I know that I need to get in the Word. I know that, that, that I need to spend time with, with God, just talking to God and, and fellowshipping with Him. But there's so many physical things that are pulling. You know, I need to address this, and I need to do this, and I need to do that, and there's this and that. But, but let me remind me and you, we've, we've, that should take secondary We've got to make priorities priorities. It's so easy to focus on the physical, but but the the understanding is is what's off. the 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 physical will not work the way you want it to if the spiritual is not in line. It's the bottom line. If if we're not giving the spirit enough attention, if we're not doing the things that we need to do, the physical will not. It doesn't matter what you do. It's not going to work. And, and to be real honest with you, if you're a Christian, God's not going to let it work. Because the Bible says that he disciplines those he loves. And what that means, it doesn't mean that he wants to make it, but he knows what's best for you. I, when I sit down at the table with my kids and, you know, we, we pull out the, the all, we put everything on the table and my youngest one wants to keep eating all of the sweet stuff and, the, you know, all the, all the junk food, you know. You know, I, I, it's not... I tell him, no, you need to eat your meat and your vegetables because I love him, not because I don't want him. To, I, I want, I, it's, it's not that I don't want him to have things, but there's, there's a balance there. God's the same way with us, okay? So don't look at this as a, as a bad thing that, oh, well, you know, God just, no, he knows what's best for you. And the reality is that if once you, once you start seeking after him and, and, and really making a point of doing that, you'll find out that you actually want that more than you want the other. 
sometimes we don't realize what we need and, until we get there. And then I was like, why wasn't I doing this? How many of you have done that before? You know, it's like, it's like you, you, you do something and it's like, man, this was so great. Why, why have I not been doing it this way? Why have I not been doing that? You know, I, I think part of the thing with, uh, with how we view things, you know, Matthew six nineteen through 24, um, Jesus is, is, uh, is teaching and he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Verse 22, uh, 22 and 23, we're going to key in on this a little bit. The eye, he goes from that into, you know, making that statement into this statement. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And then he goes back, it almost looks like then he goes back to the next, to, the, to what he was talking about before. And he says, no one can serve two masters, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And, um, you know, that this whole idea of the lamp, the lamp, the eyes being the lamp, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You know, we all have the, the way that we view things. You know, everybody in this room has kind of a grid that they view life through. And the grid can either be good or it can be bad. It can be a mixture of both. You know, someone who's, who's been hurt, um, and, and, you know, we, we hear this a lot in the, in the press, you know, of, you know, victim mentality. What they're really talking about is, is someone who's been hurt, and now the grid, the way that they view life, they, they walk through life viewing themselves as the victim. So that every situation that comes up, then they're the victim in that situation. And that's the way that they view life. And, I, you know, what, what Jesus is saying here is that, you know, your eyes, the way that you view things, should, if your eyes are good, if you're viewing things in the spirit and you're seeing things for what they are, then your whole body's going to be full of light. But if the way that you're viewing things, you may think that you're viewing it correctly, right? We think that what we think is right. Otherwise, we wouldn't think it, correct? <laughs> you know? If, if, we're, if we're looking at it and, we're, and we think we've got light, we think we're viewing it correctly and we don't, how, how great is that darkness? You know, we think that we're not going after money, but we're going after money. You know, we, we think that we're, we're not doing things that we shouldn't be doing, but we should. We're, we're doing them anyway. You know, the, the way that we, that grid or that lens, the way that we view life, you know, in... in um, Mexico is a good uh, a good example. Mexico, there's a lot of other countries in the world as well, but I, I've done quite a few mission trips down to Mexico. The thing that always impressed me about Mexico is is when you go to Mexico and, and you're doing missions work, the people there are so receptive. They're, they really are a people of faith. They they there's there's some some downsides to it in the, in the sense that there's a lot of idolatry and a lot of superstition. But they're very open to, to, to the spirit and, and the spiritual ideas. You know, in, in Western culture, in the United States, we're kind of 
on the other end of that. We, we, we are very analytical, um, very intellectual, and we rule out, I mean, just from our teaching, we rule out a lot of spirit. spirit. I mean, you can't really define that, so it's not really real, right? And in school, how many of you remember the um, scientific method? All, all, the, all the high school. So it's, <laughs> ex high school, excuse me. Oh, excuse me. Okay. Do uh, you remember what it is? No. <laughs> scientific method. You know, all of our, our learning in, in, especially in the U.S., but all Western schools coming out kind of like Greek um, uh, is, is based on scientific method, which in, in which we, we make an observation, we ask a question, we form a hypothesis, we conduct an experiment, and then we make a conclusion. And we're taught that in school, and we're taught that in, in chemistry and everything, but we're also taught that in every other thing. We don't really realize it, but it permeates our teaching in school. And the unfortunate thing about that is that becomes a grid from which we look at life. And so we begin to take things and we make an observation, and we ask a question, and then we form a hypothesis. And the thing is, I'm not, I'm not, and don't hear me, I'm not knocking this, this idea because it works in the physical. It works with, with things. going. But when we take this and we apply it to God, we can't do that. But yet, I know in my own life, I do it a lot. You know, we, we ask a question, you know, we, we look at something, we ask the question, we make a hypothesis, and then we, we, we look and everything else. And then when it doesn't work out the way that we think that it should have worked out, we start questioning, you know, okay, well, what is this? And we think that, 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 that God and, and the spirit realm, that it's some nice little neat package that we can explain everything. And that's not the way where we don't, we don't have, the problem is we don't understand everything. We don't have all the pictures or the full picture of what it is. We get little bits and pieces of, of things that are going on behind the scenes, but we don't know and we're not going to know until it's all revealed. And so, you know, when it talks about, I, I guess what I'm trying to, 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 the biggest thing in all this is say, you know, the Bible exhorts us to, to believe, to trust. It, 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 it never says, you know, test this and, you know, come up with a hypothesis. And do, it's, it's, I'm God, you need to do this. I'm God, you need to, and you go, well, why? Well, he may tell us why or he may not. But we need to understand that there's things going on behind the scenes that, that we have no way of determining what, what it is that's going on. You know, the idea that we should live by the Spirit. You know, in our everyday lives, there are things going on, not just with us, but with the people around us, that we have no idea what's going on. But God does. And God has orchestrated things in such a way that he knows his own, and he's going to minister to his own. And he's invited us to be a part of that. He's, he's invited us through his spirit to partake in what he's doing in the world, which is to reach men for himself. But if, we, if we're so focused on the physical that we never take the time to understand that there's something spiritual going on around us, and we don't ask, we don't know what's going on. We're just walking around. There's things going on around us we have no clue. 
because we've, we've never taken the time to ask. And God wants us to be, uh, to be a part of that. You never know when, when there's, there's somebody who's hurting. And, and if you've, if you've really availed yourself to the spirit, there's just a prompting to, to talk to that person. It's not supposed to be something that we work up. You know, that's, that's the thing about the physical. A lot of times we think, well, we just, you know, we read it and we go, we need to do this. And physically, you know, we need to. But you know what? So much of it is being led by the Spirit. There's things that, there, there are things that are in the Bible that we should do this and shouldn't do that and things like There's a lot of things that if you avail yourself to the Spirit, God will ask you to do that's not something that you can just read, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to go, you know, talk to the person next to me today. I mean, it doesn't say that in the Bible anywhere. But yet, God wants you to do that. Okay? Um, I'm going to do something. I want to do... I don't know why God brought this back to me and this is a, a completely different teaching. So um, we're going to have a little bit of fun for a second. Okay. Uh, and I want to do a little object lesson. This is actually an object lesson that, that the Lord gave me years ago for um, unforgiveness. So if there's anybody dealing with unforgiveness here today, pay close attention, but, but I, I just want to, I, I think it paints a really good picture of, of what, what we're talking about today. And um, I, I've got two people that I've asked to, to come up. Andrea, you want to come on up? Josh, come on up. Okay. Now, Josh and Andrea, I've asked them to come up and kind of, okay, you just face me for a second. Josh, come over here, around here. Okay. So um, we're going to say this is unforgiveness. So, so Josh, you know, whether he did something wrong or didn't do something wrong, uh, you know, that's, that's not for debate here. Let's, you know, sometimes people hurt our feelings and is what, let's say in this situation, Josh really did something wrong. He, he was supposed to meet you someplace and didn't, and you got left out in the rain and it was just a bad deal all the way around. Okay. So you're not real happy with him. Okay. So what we do is we, we take a picture, right? We, okay. Snap a picture of Josh, get a picture of him. You know what? I used to do this with a Polaroid. I went to get some Polaroid film this week. They don't make Polaroid film anymore. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> uh, they just looked at me. There's some, some college-age guys sitting there, and they're just looking at me. Polaroid film? What are you talking about? Um, okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to hold that up in front of you, okay? Almost like you have blinders on. I just want you to look at that. You're not going to pay attention to anything else going around, going on around you, okay? Now, I'm going to put you right here kind of back behind, okay? Now, we know what the Bible says about unforgiveness, that we should forgive, right? I mean, there, there's multiple scriptures, bless those who curse you, pray for those who will treat you. Um, but I tell you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. But but he did you wrong, okay? So, so in unforgiveness, what happens is we take an offense, and then we start to do what? We maybe we start, start off just thinking about it, right? And then we start to do what? We say something, okay? Now, oh, let, me, let me get something real quick. I'll be right. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, whoop, I'm sorry, I just, that's okay, that's okay. I'm going to, 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 I'm going
Look. <laughs> okay. So what you do is you're you're looking at the picture. Okay. Now you kind of spoiled it because you looked, but that's okay. Okay. And you say things. Okay. I want you to hold on to this. Okay. And you say, you know, oh well, I don't like them, or you know, you have all these different things that you're doing. Little subtle ways that, that, you know, we let people know that, you know, we're not happy with them. Well, maybe we gossip, you know, to somebody about, you know, the different things that we're doing and, and um, or, you know, how they did me wrong and everything else. You know, the reality is, how many of you have ever gone through a deal where it's, it's almost like you just hold on to that picture of that person? You're just holding that picture. Even, like, some, you know, sometimes it's just if they walk in the room and then all of a sudden it's like, you just kind of cringe. Oh, they're here, you know. Okay, we're all humans here. Okay, let's be honest. I mean, it, it happens. The Bible says that we need to deal with that, but I mean, it happens. Okay, hold on just a second. Okay, so now now we're tied to this person. Okay, are we in our mind? We're kind of tied to them because we have anger. Okay, right? We get angry with the person. What else do you have? I don't know anger, maybe rejection, because you know that, that okay, that person rejected you. Now you could have hatred. Oh, we definitely have some pride. We have pride creeping in now, right? I mean, what? How could they do this to me? How how could he leave me out? Where were you at? The rain. The rain left left me out in the rain. Oh, here's a good one. Jealousy. Okay, why would you be jealous? Could be could be pick somebody else. How about um, next week? Something good happens to Josh. He doesn't deserve that, does he? How could something good happen to that person? They're, they don't deserve it. How about uh, you got bitterness, resentment? We got all sorts of good stuff that we can put on here. Okay. Reality is, does this really hurt Josh at all? No. Okay. It doesn't hurt Josh at all. Josh is just standing here walking around. Come back over this way, Josh. Walking around. Okay, Josh is just walking around. It didn't hurt him. Now, if she hadn't looked and kind of spoiled it ahead of time, all of a sudden she would realize at some point, you know what, she's not tied to Josh. This has nothing, this is not between her and Josh. She's now tied to something spiritual. Now, uh, let me ask you this. Do you feel like you have freedom? No. No. (laughs) <laughs> well, why don't you why don't you go over there for a second? Yeah, not gonna not gonna work, is it? Okay. In fact, whatever you're tied to sometimes can begin to kind of pull you. <laughs> okay. And see, we can laugh about this, and we we look at this, and it's a physical thing that we're looking at, and we go, oh yeah, but it's a spiritual thing. This really is a picture of of things that happen to us in a daily daily. And so, you know, 
through the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's a lot stronger than scissors, but through God and the Holy Spirit, you know, we just cut this, and he can set us free. Thank y'all. Um, but it's not always that simple. It's not always, you know, I, I know people that have been bound to things that, that God has just, they asked and God set them free. But I can tell you that that, that happens, but that's not always, I find that that's actually not the norm. Usually God makes us work to get out of those situations because he wants us to understand, to gain understanding and to, and to be strengthened so that we don't fall back into those same things again. You know, the, the idea that, that, that all of us, you know, we, we look at these things, we've got all of these different scriptures, but we still fall into these same kind of traps. Um, and the idea, I think part of the whole deal is that in all things, everything, every situation we find ourselves in where, where we're tied to something and we don't have freedom, it, that, is a, that should be a key to us to search, to seek God with all of our heart. Even if we think we've been doing it, obviously we haven't been doing it. Because in, in seeking God with all of our heart, that's where he begins to reveal himself. And as he reveals himself, that is what sets us free. He is the one that sets us free. And, and if we were in him on a continuous basis, we wouldn't have gotten into that situation to start with. But we're not perfect and we're not always there. That's just the reality of the way it works. And so if you find yourself bound like that, then we've got to get back to, and again, it's a spiritual thing. You know what? Phys- okay, physically, let's look at unforgiveness as a physical thing. Okay? I read you these scriptures. I'll read you a couple of scriptures. Um, okay, it says, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who ill-treat you. Bless those who persecute you. Uh, love your enemies. Um, if you're at the altar, leave. Go first. Be reconciled to your brother. Uh, if someone strikes you on the cheek, to her, turn to him. You know, these are all things. These are all physical things that the Bible tells us to do. Right? I mean, you know, these are all these are all things that we can do. But does that really bring forgiveness? I mean, we can we can go through this and we can look at these physical things. We can we can make try to again use our reasoning and go, okay, well, if I do this, 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 and this, then this should happen. The problem is, again, it's a spiritual thing, and if you don't go to God with it and you just try to do it on your own as a physical exercise, it's not going to happen. It will not happen. Because the thing that we're looking for is a, is a spiritual solution, not a physical solution. Now, again, the two cross, uh, I'll tell you that if, if you are going to get out of something like that, I can tell you that you, it's going to involve recognition. It's going to involve, involve repentance. It's going to involve your words. It's going to involve your actions. These are all physical things, but those should be coming out of what God is revealing to you in your spirit, not the other way around, okay? And so we, we have to seek God for these things. Um, 
we're going to wrap it up. You know, the choices that we make determine what we give power to, okay? Ultimately, God is in complete control, complete power, okay? But there, there is this, you know, this, this if, if we could just get the picture, I, I always picture it, I, the best picture, I picture it as um, that spoiled kid who's not getting his way. You know, it, there was a point in time where God, you know, kicked, I, in, in our house, uh, the boys used to laugh because we called it giving Satan the boot, um, you know, at one point, you know, Satan says, well, I'm going to be like God. And God says, no, you're not, and gave him the boot. You know, and so, so he kicks him out of heaven. And so now we've got this spoiled little kid who, who doesn't have really any power, but he's decided that he's just going to make a mess of whatever he can make a mess of. If I can't have it, then I'm just going to mess everything up the best I can. And, and, you know, we think, we, a lot of times we think of it um, from our own, because most people, I mean, there's some good, I mean, we have some level of, of understanding. You know, it's hard for us to understand how somebody could be so devoid of any goodness that they can do the horrible things that they do. That's the best picture of Satan I can come up with. The, you know, the, I mean, he is so devoid, it doesn't matter your little baby doesn't matter. I mean, innocent doesn't matter. I mean, he, if he can mess it up, that's what he wants to do. I mean, that's what we're dealing with. That's the other spiritual side of the coin. And so, you know, we, if we leave the door open or we're doing things to, to open the door, we're putting ourselves at danger. And, and this isn't about us being scared of the devil you know, you know, this is about us recognizing that there's something else going on and that, that we have a chance to participate in, in so much more. That, that the kingdom of God is advancing and that, that we can actually participate in that. Um, you know, obviously there's physical consequences to things that happen. There's spiritual consequences to, th- to things that happen. You know, the, the kingdom of God, you know, uh, the kingdom of God is God, but the kingdom of God is also referred to as, as uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We can lose those things. We can, we can open the door for the enemy to steal these things from our life. I mean, how many of us have gone through a, a, a place where we haven't had peace? I mean, that, that is a constant battle. We can be, we can lose awareness of his presence. You know, that we're so caught up that we, that we, we forget or we're, we're sidetracked from the favor, the blessing of the Lord. Um, you know, we give Satan access. Ephesians 4, 17, 32, I'm going to wrap it up with this. It says, so I tell you this, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. You are dark, they are darkened in their understanding, which we talked about just a second ago. Their, their, their eyes are dark. They don't, they, they're, the grid that they're viewing through is, is broken and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having, all law, having lost all sensitivity, they give themselves over to, to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him according to what the truth 
with the truth that is in Jesus. You are taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by this deceitful by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold, which is another thing that we were just talking about. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his hands, that he may, some, may have something to share with those in need. Do not let anyone, any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. And so, again, I, you know, I really feel like the, if I could wrap it up in a, a, in a, a picture We've, we've got to understand that there's something more than just the physical world that we walk in. And so many times we just kind of, we read through it and it's there, but we really don't think it through. We really don't step back and go, yeah, there's, there's other things here. Richard. Thank you, brother Jeff. Uh, we're very fortunate here at Christ Fellowship. Uh, when the senior pastor is out, we have several people that can come in and, and deliver the message. And Jeff, I'd like to thank you for, uh, for your commitment and your obedience. I have one quick announcement, and uh, then you'll be dismissed. We'll have a, we'll have a closing prayer. Uh, kids camp. We've got a bunch of kids going to kids' camp. And, uh, of course, they're needing money to fund this thing. Uh, nothing's free anymore. So we're having enchilada dinner next Saturday. Can I get everybody to say June the 19th? June the 19th. 11 to 1. I'm going to eat enchiladas. No kidding, we really do. Those are the correct dates and times, by the way. <laughs> uh, June 19th from 11 to 1. It's next Saturday. It'll be next door in the fellowship hall. Uh, Terry, will they be able to take carryouts or probably? Okay. They need to sell a lot of, they need to sell a lot of dinners. They're, they're, they're down about two grand, okay? So uh, all the camps are getting more expensive. But you need to realize this is, this is an investment in the future. Of not only of uh, Christ Fellowship Church, but it's an investment in the future of, of Christ and his kingdom. Ten, fifteen years from now, these kids will be in the praise and worship up here. Or they may be doing what I'm doing, and I'm sure will be doing it much better. But uh, please put that on your calendar. Please put that on your calendar, because they really need some help. Uh, Terry Richardson and Rhonda, Leslie and Andrew Cortez... They 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 uh, um, 
sponsor this thing each year, go down there with the kids, and they don't get no money for that at all. It's just the kids. We just need the money for the camp. So they they do it all because they love the children. They, they love uh, working with the kids. Any questions before we dismiss? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy and grace. And, Lord, this... Uh, we just ask you, Lord, that, uh, that you're pleased with everything that we've said and done here this morning. Because that's the bottom line, Lord, that we lift you up and, and that you're happy, Father God, for us and for this location, for Christ Fellowship Church, for all the people, Lord Jesus, that that uh, sitting in these pews right now, Lord. We just uh, ask you to bless them and bless their families, Lord. Give them a safe journey. Give them a safe week, a prosperous week, Lord. And let them never forget, Lord. You're there all the time. It's in your name we pray and we give you thanks. And everybody said, You're just missed. God bless you.